What is up, Refuge Church? How are you doing? Good? Did you have a good week? Did you have a good week? Uh, do me a favor. You guys need to talk a little bit more. So uh, tell your neighbor how, what percentage of Christmas you have completed. Tell your neighbor. It's, I heard a one. You, you, you got completed. I've got 75% done. I'm 25% done. How much? There we go. We're talking. Now we're talking. Now we're talking. See, you do like each other. I love it. I love it. I love it. Just so you know, I'm about 90, 95% done. So, just so you guys know. Uh, well, my name is Adam Harold. Thank you so much for being here today. My incredible wife, Tanya, and I have the privilege of leading the refuge. This is one of our greatest joys to be able to do what we're doing today is to meet with you and to be with you and to do life with you. We love what we get to do. And um, I just want to say, if we haven't met you yet, we'd love to meet you. Make sure you fill out a card. I'll send you a card in the mail to say thank you for being here. You're never more generous than when you show up on Sunday with your time. So thank you, thank you, thank you for being here today. I've got a really special announcement, really important announcement this morning that uh, Jeff didn't talk about on the news because I wanted to announce it first, uh, just kind of to cast some vision for it, if I could use that, that language. Um, this last Christmas season, uh, I've had numerous families, numerous, reach out to me and say, Pastor Adam, if there's anyone in the church uh, that is without this Christmas, we want to, we want to help. And um, I started thinking about it, and, and by the way, we've been able to help one family, which um, I am, I, number one, I'm thrilled that we've helped this one family. Um, I'm also thrilled that we've only had to help one family, and it's not been a ton, but um, just so you guys want to, to know my heart, I want, I want to, you to know my heart. Um, and we're always gonna help people that are connected to the body first. We're always going to help people that are connected to what we're doing first. And so um, now there will come a time where we'll connect with people outside of the church. But if, if you really want help, then we want you, like we want people connected. That's, that's the ultimate goal. God always gives us what we need more than what we want. And so we always feel like there's, there's so much more. So we always help people that are connected first. And um, we've been able to help one family tremendously this holiday season. Uh, and, and if there are any more out there that are, you know, even if they're not connected, we'll help in whichever way we can. But just let us know if you know of families that aren't connected. But the thing that I noticed this year was I noticed the desire to give more. Now, it, it may have only been... Um, you know, 5% of our church, but I've noticed a desire to give more financially. And I, as, as your pastor, it's my goal and my, my role, really, to always be looking ahead and looking at what God is doing to grow us first spiritually and then um, as a church. And so as I've as I prayed about, about this, and as I looked into it, I thought, you know, there's such a desire to give more. 
And I told our prayer team yesterday morning at prayer that I feel like we're at a stage in our church where it's time that we really start to focus on outside of what we're doing. We will, we, we will grow looking inside for sure, but we'll really grow when we look beyond us. And so as I, as I look and analyze the situation with people having a desire to give more and the need to look beyond us, to really grow and explode. God had, has laid on my heart that, that this year, for the first time ever, doing it this way, we're going to receive what we're calling a legacy offering. The legacy offering, we call it a legacy because what it does is it gives us the ability to reach beyond us, to carry on our legacy. And so, what we want to do is we want to, we want to receive an offering during our Christmas Eve experiences. And so for the, first, for the first time in a long time, we're going to pass a plate during our Christmas Eve experiences um, in all three of them. And all the money collected during the passing of the plate will be going towards our legacy offering. So what is our legacy offering this year going to go towards? That's the question. Many of you may not know that there are about, so there, we sponsor 50 kids, not as a church, but as individual families. And it's not 50 families, but it's because uh, some families are doing more than one. And we sponsor 50 kids in the Dominican Republic uh, through an organization called uh, the Metro West Caribbean Mission, as well as One Child. And so we sponsor 50 kids in the DR to help provide education and, and food and, and, um, and health care. And just an amazing, we give $40 a month per, per child. Well, as I prayed about the legacy offering, I felt like God said, um, it's time to start focusing on world missions. Start focusing on missions. And so every dollar given during our legacy offering this year will be going to the Dominican Republic, um, specifically the Dominican Republic. Now that means that we'll give towards, um, we'll be able to give portions of this to, um, to Metro West Caribbean Mission. It'll also go towards the church that we sponsor that carries on our Hope Center every Sunday. They're meeting together today as a Hope Center um, but also it'll give us opportunity to save some money, set aside some money for missions trips to the Dominican Republic. And so um, we're doing that Christmas Eve. I wanted to announce that today. And here's, here's the, the, like, <clears throat> the thing I want you to understand. We know that people will come Christmas Eve for Christmas, um, and some people will give just because there's a plate being passed. Um, and and we, ex we accept that, but all that money that's given, all the loose money that's given in the plate will go towards our legacy offering. But you're here this morning because you're a part of this house, because you're a part of this church. And so you're, you're here on Sunday. And so um, we want you, we're, the reason we're announcing it, you ready for this? Two weeks ahead of time, just two weeks before Christmas. That's all you got. Time's ticking. But we're announcing this ahead of time because we want 
the, the Apostle Paul taught the Corinthian church to decide in your heart how much to give. So my family and I will sit down, we'll look at our, our, our annual income and what we brought in, and we'll, and we'll make a decision in our heart how much to give towards this legacy offering. And um, it's a great time. It's tax write-off time. So um, every dollar given um, that's, that has a name to it, we'll give you know, donation receipts and things like that. And so, but we want it all to go outside. This isn't, this isn't for us. This isn't to help pay salaries and pay heat for the, for the building. This is to help the Dominican Republic. And I am super excited for this new phase of the Refuge Church because we'll, we'll do legacy offerings throughout, um, throughout the life of, of our church. And it is time that we start looking outside of, can I just say outside of Wyndham, Maine? outside of Maine in general, and start looking at the world. So that's, that's our heart. Well, we are in a series called A Non-Religious Christmas, and uh, we're going to explain what I mean by a non-religious Christmas in just a moment. But um, last week, I talked about how I had sat down with, uh, with a friend um, in, in, in a coffee shop, and I was talking about uh, how I feel like Satan has used religion to, to destroy the kingdom of God more than anything else. And it inspired this, this series that I'm calling a non-religious Christmas, because oftentimes we take what, what man has made into religion, and we perceive this idea of God when he's not who we perceive him to be at all. There are people in this world that have chosen not to believe in God based on someone that isn't God at all, but it's based on a formulated opinion because of whether it's a church that they go to or, or, um, or family member that was, <laughs> that was religious and they made them go to church as a child and they beat them with a switch if they didn't. They probably lived in the South, you know, one of those, like, like they just forced them to go to, to church when really God doesn't force us to do anything. That's not the heart of God. And so in this series, we're talking about, about a non-religious Christmas. It's a three-week series. Uh, leading up to uh, our Christmas Eve experience, which will be three identical services, one on the 23rd at 6 p.m., and two on the 24th at 2 o'clock and 4 o'clock. I hope that you're inviting your family that's coming to stay at your house or wherever they're coming to, uh, inviting your family to come to our our Christmas Eve experience. Uh, We can't wait for, for that. Um, now, another reason I'm doing this series is, if I'm being completely honest with you, another reason I'm doing this series is because, does anyone know what day, December 25th, what day of the week, December 25th, falls on this year? It's a Sunday. And I understand that there are some, there's some, there's some feelings involved, right? 
about meeting on Sunday morning for Christmas. And, and there are churches um, all throughout Maine, all throughout the world, that are, some are meeting on Sunday, and I, and I think that that is absolutely incredible. We've chosen to not meet on Sunday, to, to really go hard on Christmas Eve, and, so, and, and not come back on, the, on Sunday the 25th. And, and that's been, that's been our, our style. That's been our, our choice. It's what works for us. But there are some churches that, that maybe don't have a Christmas Eve service, and so they're going to meet on Sunday. And, or, or maybe they have a Christmas Eve service, and they're going to meet on Sunday anyway. And, and that's fine. And, and what, I, what I'm trying to get at is I want you to understand that when we... Worship the day more than we worship the creator, we're wrong. Now, it's possible to meet on Sunday, the, December the 25th, and not necessarily worship the day. To really understand, I'm not saying that every church that has to meet on Sunday the 25th is worshiping the day. That's not what I'm saying at all. But what I am saying is that we have to guard ourselves from a mindset known as legalism. We have to constantly guard ourselves from a concept known as legalism. Legalism is when we identify with the law more than we identify with the Savior. We are going to do everything we can to not identify with the law. And this, this year just happens to give me a great teaching point to, to teach on, listen, we don't, we don't gather on, it's not on Sunday that we gather. It's, we gather once a week, period. And it doesn't have to be once a week. We could gather, I mean, growing up, I went to church on Wednesday night and twice on Sundays, right? And so as long, the Bible teaches us, do not forsake the gathering of yourselves. So don't forsake, don't, don't forget about gathering. We got a running church today. I am preaching. <laughs> I love it. Don't, it's, not, it's not the day, it's, it's the worship. And so that's, today I want to talk about, about keeping Christ in Christmas and how we keep Christ in Christmas, but not doing it in a legalistic way. Last week I talked to you about why Jesus came to earth. Jesus came to fulfill the law the law of the Old Testament, the, the, the Ten Commandments, the law of Moses, the law of the prophets. Jesus came to fulfill that, not to force us to obey that. It's not about forcing you to do anything. God is a gentleman. He doesn't force himself on any of us. Today I'm going to talk about keeping Christ in Christmas. Next Sunday we're going to talk about acknowledging the meaning of Christmas and what that looks like in a non-religious non-legalistic way. Turn me to Matthew chapter 5. If you want to follow along in your, in your version notes, uh, you can do that in the version Bible app on the screen. It tells you how to get there. Matthew chapter 5 verse 17 is where we, uh, where we find our verse, our key verse for this series. Before I read it, can I ask God to speak to us? Can we do that today? Father in heaven, um, your word is way more important than my word. 
So I pray today that you would speak to my, to my heart first and then speak to our hearts as a, as a body today. Lord, that you would use the words that you've given me to speak to hearts, to get our attention so much that we are able to change the way we live, change the course of our lives based on your desire for us and who we become, not based on what we do. Father, I pray that you would speak to us today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Matthew chapter 5, verse 17 says this. Jesus is preaching in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, I don't, don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. I read this this morning, and I thought, man, Jesus really was a preacher. He didn't come to abolish. He came to accomplish. Right? It's close enough to be a preacher anyway. Um, and Jesus came to get rid of the religious mindset. In fact, I would argue that it was the religious mindset that caused people to crucify Jesus in the first place. And so he came to get rid of the religious mindset. Last week I said that completion of the law, which is what Jesus did, he came to complete the law. Completion doesn't mean deletion. It doesn't mean it goes away. It doesn't mean that we don't have to follow it. It doesn't mean that it's, it's worthless. It means that we still follow it, but we follow it in a different way. We follow it because Jesus wants to live in us and through us, and we want to live like him. But we have to recognize why the law is there in the first place. The reason the law was ever there was to remind us of who Jesus wanted us to be, who God wanted us to be. Every Christmas, it seems like I, I see bumper stickers that say things like, keep Christ in Christmas, or Jesus is the reason for the season. Um, I, I probably should have come up with a meme and, and put it on the screen. Uh, my favorite one is the nativity that looks like the T-Rex eating the other T-Rex. If you know what I'm talking about, you're laughing inside because it's hilarious. Anybody, anybody else see that, that meme? Anybody? Oh, we're going to have to find it and put it up after service. But we say things like Jesus is the reason for the season, and, it, and he is. Don't hear me wrong. Jesus is the reason for the season. But if we're not careful, we fall into a religious mindset in thinking that, a legalistic mindset in saying that. And I want to guard us from that today. This can be a, a religious mindset to say that you have to say Merry Christmas instead of saying Happy Holidays. We get offended when Christians can tend to get offended by people saying happy holidays. You know what I have to say about that? I have to say, if you say happy holidays, then Merry Christmas to you too, right? Because I, I celebrate Christmas, so I'm going to share what, what I'm celebrating. And they're, I mean, they could say happy Hanukkah to me, and I'm like, yes, hi, my Jewish friend, right? Like, like they can say happy Kwanzaa. I don't even know if they say happy Kwanzaa. But like, seriously, why do we get so wrapped up in the words that we use to greet each other in the month of December? 
And that, this brings me to today's big idea. The big idea, if I had one thing I want you to take from today, it's this. Keeping Christ and Christmas is so much more than a greeting in December. Keeping Christ and Christmas is so much more than a greeting in December. Colossians chapter 3, if you want to turn your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, I want to share with you something the Apostle Paul said that I think that believers need to grasp, especially during the holiday season. It's this. He says, let the message about Christ in all Man, you see that? Anybody catch that? This is why we don't video record our, our messages, by the way. Let me start over. Let the message about Christ in all its richness, all its richness, fill your lives. Teach counsel, um, teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts, and whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus. Give thanks through giving thanks through him to God the Father. I want you to hear me this morning when I say the story of Jesus is so rich. So rich. Let it fill your entire lives, not just your December. Let it fill your entire life, no matter what season you're in. And I'm not talking about winter or summer. I'm not talking about December or January. I'm talking about seasons of abundance and seasons of scarcity. Seasons of trouble and seasons of peace. I'm talking about seasons of hardship and seasons of smoothness. Whatever the season you're in, you have to acknowledge Jesus every moment. Let it fill your life, Paul says. The richness of Jesus is so deep that it can fill, fill your entire life. Not just your Sundays but your life every single day. And this brings me to, to three things that I want to share with you about keeping Christ in Christmas. Three things this morning about keeping Christ in Christmas, if you are still with me. Number one, keeping Christ in Christmas begins with our daily habits. Keeping Christ in Christmas begins with our daily habits. 365 days out of the year. Daily habits. Matthew chapter 7, verse 3 through 5 says, again, this is Jesus continuing in the Sermon on the Mount in chapter 7. So I think um, it's, it's the same. So it's two chapters after chapter 5 that we read for our theme verse. Chapter 7, verse 3 through 5 says, And why worry about the speck in your, your friend's eye? When you have a log in your own, ouch. Jesus was bringing it at this point. My guess is if he was around today delivering this message, he'd be like, I hope you wore your steel toe boots today. Right? He's like, why worry about the speck in your friend's eye when 
You've got a log in your own. Verse 4, how can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of the speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own? Hypocrite. Jesus called these people hypocrites. First, get rid of the log in your own eye, and then you will, be, you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Jesus is always concerned about us looking at ourselves first. The problem with a religious mindset, a legalistic mindset, is it causes us to look at others before we look at ourselves. That's why we have to be a church that's not concerned about being religious, but about taking care of my identity first. And I'll be the first one to tell you, it starts with me. If I'm not growing, this church ain't growing. I have to grow on a daily basis. And so we want to avoid a legalistic mindset so that we take care of ourselves first. Maybe some of you are here and you're frustrated that your family doesn't come to church or your family hasn't come to know Jesus yet. Take care of yourself first. Continue to pray. Continue to seek God Continue to share the real Jesus with them. They will see the difference. I promise you. They are seeing the difference. Are you still with me? Number two, the second thing I want you to see about keeping Christ and Christmas, when it comes to keeping Christ and Christmas, it's literally impossible to remove Christ from Christmas. Do you realize that? Christmas. It's literally impossible to take the name Christ out of Christmas. You cannot do it. Now, we say things like Jesus is the reason for the season, and, um, and we, we say Merry Christmas. But, but another, another one of my pet peeves a little bit about about the religious mindset of Christmas is we get upset when people write the word Xmas. Maybe some of you get upset that someone writes the word Xmas instead of Christmas. Um, instead of just writing it off as lazy penmanship. I mean, come on. But it's not a big deal because it is literally impossible to remove Christ from Christmas. Even if Someone writes the word Xmas. It's impossible. Did you know um, the, in the first hundred years of the, the Christ, Christian faith, did you know that um, Christians would identify themselves by wearing a symbol known as the chiro? The chiro is, um, it looks like this. It's, the reason it's... it's a chiro is because it's the Greek letter chi, chi and the Greek letter rho, and, and this is what it looks like. And um, it's what Christians would wear 
to identify themselves as Christians in the first hundred years. And so even when you write, and, and, and Chai and Ro are the, are the first two letters in the, in the Greek name of Jesus when you write it out. And so, or not Jesus, but Christ. Christ, Christmas, you understand. So what this tells me is even when you write Xmas, you still don't remove Christ from Christmas. Now, some of you might think that that's a little bit of a fetch. I understand that. But you literally cannot remove Christ from Christmas. It's impossible. Christmas is Christmas. Hanukkah is Hanukkah. That's okay. Number three, when you secure your identity in Christ, it allows other people to celebrate whatever they want to celebrate without offending you. Let me say that again. When you secure your identity in Christ, when you are, when you are secure in who you are in Jesus, it doesn't matter how people greet you in December. It doesn't offend you because you know why you celebrate. Let me say it this way, because you know who you are. Let me explain. Things that people often believe can upset you or can, can offend you. Um, I think we should be, it's, 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 we're able to be upset without being offended. Can I, say, can I say that again? It's possible to be upset without being offended. I think, personally, I think you should be upset that people in your family don't know Jesus. And it should motivate you to love them differently. But you shouldn't, you shouldn't be offended by it. Treating them differently because they don't know Jesus. It should upset you, but your, your, your anger should be towards the unrighteousness. Your anger should be towards Satan for robbing them of who God wants them to be. Are you following me? It's possible to be upset without being offended. Let me show you in Colossians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul wrote to the Colossian church again. He said, live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversations be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. Can I just, I'm almost, I'm, I'm about to get on a high horse, but I'm not going to. But can I just say in today's cultural climate, Christians need to read this verse daily. That we allow our conversation to be gracious and attractive. Because we're secure in who we are, because we know Jesus, because he is our identity, not some political mindset, not some religious mindset, but Jesus is our identity. We have to allow grace to live in us and through us because grace is a river. Grace is a river. It lives in us and through us. It flows from the top down. 
and it flows in our conversation. So if grace is a river and it flows in us and through us, then we must speak in a gracious way. This, when, we speak, when we speak in grace, can I just say this? When we speak in grace, we speak attractively. It's attractive. But it's not soft. It doesn't mean we talk soft. It doesn't mean we don't speak truth. It means we do it with love. We do it with grace. The world has this messed up idea of what love is. But believers should never have a messed up view of what love is because they understand the self-sacrificing love that God gave them. And when we love others, we do it with grace. And it's attractive. I hope that that's why some of you are here today. Because we do things with grace and we do it in an attractive manner. You just want to be a part of it. You might not understand it. That's okay. We don't understand it all the time either. But we do it with grace and we do it with truth and we do it with love. And so I want to conclude today's message by giving you three ways to keep Christ in Christmas. Three easy, practical ways. To, sorry, four. Four practical ways to keep Christ in Christmas. You guys are, some of you guys are like, great, this sermon just got five minutes longer. I promise you it didn't. Number one, keeping, we keep Christ in Christmas begins every day by acknowledging him. You keep Christ in Christmas by beginning every day by acknowledging him. It doesn't matter if it's July 23rd or December 25th. We acknowledge him every single day. Not only on Sundays, but every day. So I want to share with you real quick what my mornings look like. My, my pastor, um, many of you have met him. He's been here to speak before. And, and I, I, I love my pastor. And, and if you're not, you're not a part of the refuge and you're, or you're searching for a church, let me encourage you to find a church that the pastor has a pastor. Go to the pastor and ask him, who's your pastor? If he can't tell you, find another, another place. Every pastor needs a pastor. My pastor told me that. And I asked him if he'd be my pastor, and he said, let me pray about it. <laughs> and that's why he's my pastor. But a big thing that he does is routine. He's very big on routine. And if you looked at him, you'd see he's very big on routine. Um, and one of the things that he's taught me is to, to dominate my mornings. The way I dominate my mornings is I try to do the same thing every day. Before I take the kids to school, I make sure that I sit down with this book. I sit down with this book and in a journal. So I have, I have my Bible, I have my journal, I'll have my cell phone and my earbuds. And I'll sit down and I'll either listen to music as I read or I'll listen to the reading of the word as I read the word and I follow along. The Bible, and, and I had a problem with that for a little while. And then I realized that um, the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So 
every day I try to hear God's word and try to follow along in God's word. And I underline as I go and I take notes in my journal as I go and I write things down. And then every day, every day as I read at the conclusion of my reading, no matter if it's one verse or, um, or five chapters, it doesn't matter how, many, how much I'm reading, every day I write a big idea at the end of my, my reading. One big idea. It's, it's, this big idea thing, it's not just when I communicate. It's every single day. What does God want me to learn about who he is today? Not necessarily about what he wants me to do, but about who he is. And I always read with the context of who is Jesus, who is God, where is he at in what I just read. And I come to a big idea every single day because you have to begin by acknowledging Jesus every day. Number two, read the first Christmas story with your family. Keep Christ in Christmas by reading the first Christmas story with your family. It's found in Luke chapter 2. It's the most popular one, and it's, it's beautiful. It's also Matthew chapter 2, but Luke chapter 2 is, is the one that we'll read on Christmas Eve. Find a good translation. Read it with your family. And if reading ain't your thing and movies are, then let me highly recommend the nativity story. It is very, very well done. Acknowledge the reason for the season with your family. Number three, it's practical. It's easy. Join us on Christmas Eve with your family. Join us on Christmas Eve with your family on the 23rd at 6 p.m. or the 24th at 2 p.m. or 4 p.m. You ha- Listen, we've added a service to our Christmas. And to make, one, to make it... Um, more convenient for you, but also to make room for more people. I believe that God's going to show up this Christmas Eve more than he ever has in this house. We want to invite your family to be a part of it. Number four, the last thing. And I absolutely love this part. Teach your kids, teach your family, teach yourself the value of both giving and receiving. Let me say that again. Because it's not the way a lot of preachers will tell you. They'll tell you it's better to give than receive. No, it's not. There's value in both giving and receiving. One of, I've, I've learned this as a church planter, that there's value in receiving as well as giving. And here's why. I think it was the first April that we were a church it was right around Easter. We did this, one of my favorite events we've ever done. Maybe we'll do another one someday. Maybe we won't. I don't know. But we had been given a handful of money and so we, to, to use as an outreach, and we wanted to do that. And so we went to, uh, 
to the uh, the gas station. I want to. I think it was. I think it's the. Is it Motomart? Is it, do you guys have? Do we have Motomarts up here? I can't even remember. My my mind's going back to the Midwest. Um, it's the one the corner the the gas station on the corner of, of River Road and uh, Roosevelt Trail. Um, anybody know the name of that gas station? Mobile, right? Okay, so we're at the mobile. Now we're at, we're all in the same place now, so I can proceed with my story. <laughs> we went to the mobile gas station and we 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 went in and we said, hey, we've got five thousand dollars. We want to give it all to you, but we want to bring the price of gasoline down to $1 a gallon. We called it the gas buy down. I think gas at the time was like 250, something like that. So we paid $1.50 of everyone else's gas and brought it down to a dollar. They put it on the sign. I loved it. They put it on the sign. People were calling the gas station. Is gas really a dollar? Are you guys crazy? They say, yeah, gas is a dollar because there's this church that's here. And they're like, I'm coming. I'm bringing my gas tanks. And we're like, bring all your gas tanks. Bring all your cars, all your gas tanks. Do whatever. We, when the money's gone, it's gone. And we filled up so many cars that day. I don't know what the return on that investment was. That's not why we did it. But I know this. At the end of the event, I walked into the gas station. I asked how things go, and you know, everything good. Could we do anything different next time? And they said, hey, we've got $200 here, roughly, that people have donated to your church that they just want to give. And I was like, but it was free. And they're like, but they just want to, they just want to give to, to help you do what you do. And you know what, I, you know what that taught me? It is extremely difficult to receive a great gift that's free. We emphasize teaching giving because we don't want selfish kids. I understand that. But we don't necessarily teach the value of receiving something that you don't deserve. The truth is, is that my salvation, my gift that God gives me is so great, I feel like I should have to work for it. I feel like I should have to be a good person for it. I'm not good enough to receive it. It's that good. But the truth of the matter is the reason you don't have to work for your salvation is because it's so good you could never earn it. Romans chapter 6, verse 23, Paul writes and he says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift, the free gift of God, is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. God gives the best gifts. The best gifts. And we have to teach others that sometimes to receive it, all you have to do is put your hand out. And it's yours. Stand to your feet. I want to pray with you. Every head bowed, every eye closed.
Where did God speak to you today? What did God say to you today? Some of you guys are like, I didn't hear anything except for you, Pastor Adam. That's okay. What hit you in the heart today? That feeling that you had, that wasn't, those weren't my words. Those were the words of God. So what does he want you to do with that? Does he want you to just receive it? Because you realize that you don't have to be good to receive it? Is it that you start to live in the identity of Jesus and stop being offended when people don't act like Jesus? Because the world, we read it in Colossians, the world is going to act like the world. That's okay. Jesus came to rescue the world so that it doesn't act like the world. And we are supposed to be the light that shines in the darkness. So how are we shining? Are we shining in darkness? Or are we turning it off because of our ungracious talk? What spoke to you today? If you'd close your eyes and just kind of bow your head, I want to invite you, if you came in carrying a burden, my friend Dave is here, my friend Elaine is here, they want to pray with you. If, if you have something that you want to pray, we're going to sing a song in just a moment, and we want to invite you to come forward and to either pray at the altar, bow and pray, or, or to talk to one of them and pray. I'll pray with you if you want me to. But the reality is that in a room this size, filled with this many people, that there are people in this room that have never received the free gift of God. That's the most important decision that anyone will ever make. So at the end of every service, we always come to this moment to give you the opportunity to make the most important decision you'll ever make, to simply receive. Not based on who you are, but based on what God has already done. If you're here and you've never received the gift of God, that is Jesus Christ our Lord, I want to invite you to, as boldly and courageous as you could, just raise your hand and leave it there so that I can, I can see you. Would you do that? Would you raise your hand and say, Pastor Adam, I need to receive Jesus today. Is there anyone that would raise your hand to say, that's me? Thank you. So now, the challenge is to live every day with Christ in mind that we would keep Christ in Christmas. Father in heaven, I want a church that isn't identified with the law, but is identified with the Savior. So God, this week I pray that you would help us to speak graciously to speak in an attractive way 
that other people would say to us, what church do you belong to? That people would understand that our identity isn't in the law, but our identity is in our Savior who is Jesus. And I pray today that our church body would live as Jesus lived. Allow him to live in us and through us. God bless this day. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing a song together.